0: it's hard to live life and do it successfully without going through a period of difficulty and want and need and i continue to look back at the example of christ as the ultimate example of somebody that suffered somebody that was basically let down by everybody around him but he continued and he stayed the course and he did the most amazing and miraculous things ever
1: Welcome to Starved the Doubts. I'm your host, Jared Easley. Joining us today from Franklin, Tennessee, Chris Murphy from ShovelCloud.com. Hey, Chris.
2: Hey, buddy. How are you?
1: It's good to have you back on. It's been a few uh, episodes. It's been more than a few, but it's uh,
3: it's always nice to have you on the show.
2: Yeah, it has been a while.
1: And, yeah, joining us from Maui, Hawaii, aloha, Kamanzi
3: Constable. Aloha, Jared. I'm excited to see if either our guest co-host or our guest knows Taylor Swift.
1: All right, fair enough So let's talk to Kevin today So our guest is Kevin Max He's a Christian singer, author, actor, and world traveler Who appreciates Harry Potter and New Wave dancing Kevin started out as a member of the four-time Grammy Award winning And 17 GMA Award winning group DC Talk He is also the former lead singer of the band Audio Adrenaline His new solo album entitled Broken Temples Was released earlier this year with Motion Records You can learn more about Kevin by checking out KevinMax.com Kevin, welcome to the show
0: Hey, good to be here. All right, so Kevin,
1: every guest we bring on the show, we always ask this question, so I'm interested to hear your answer to this. The question is, what is the best concert that you have ever been to?
0: Oh, wow, okay. Bringing it down to one concert, all right. No pressure. I would, yeah. I, just off the top of my head, I'd probably say Zoo Station, U2, Atlanta, although I did see Rolling Stones in Atlanta, and I was about a stone's throw away from the stage. But I'll go with U2 because they had more reference to my life at that point And the songs connected with me a lot more.
1: Hey, Kevin, would you have traveled halfway across the country to go see U2? No. Okay. <laughs> we have someone on our esteemed panel who's going to be doing that soon for Taylor Swift.
2: Well... So. Good luck to him. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'm hoping to see the Stones uh, in June here in Nashville, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, man. That'll be a good one, too.
0: I mean, you know, you never know how much longer they're going to be around, and it's cool to see a band that continues to be a band, the real meaning of a band, and still puts on an incredible show. Yeah. So Taylor Swift, I don't know much about Taylor Swift. I mean, you know, I don't know her music. I do know some of her uh, players. And um, I'm friends with uh, her guitar player. We've hung out a couple of times. and
2: Yeah, that's Jared. an 0 for 2 then with the Taylor Swift because I have no connections either. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen? Kevin, we want you to, uh, to finish this sentence if you can. If okay. you don't remember anything else about the fasting diet, you need to remember what? It stinks.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's got to be more to the story.
0: Oh, man. Well— I mean, a fasting diet is basically you fast for a certain amount of time per day. I mean, you you cut the amount of time that you eat basically in two. Instead of, what's the name of the the diet? Metabolism diets where you eat, you know, several small meals a day, which is good too. The fasting diet, you have have eight hours to eat three meals, you know, and you want to space them out and you don't want to eat huge meals, but... When you fast, your body goes into uh, an interesting work mode, which kind of gets rid of a lot of the fat and a lot of the toxins. And I drink a lot of water, too, and work out. So there's a lot going on at the same time
2: beyond just the diet, you know. Do you get lightheaded when you're doing the fasting diet plus working out?
0: Yeah. I mean, right now I've got a horrible cold. Like, I don't know what is going on with my system today and yesterday. I mean, and this has nothing to do with the diet. I, I had this two days ago before I even started the diet. I think it's allergies, but my wife says it's allergies, but I've got a one heck of a bad head cold. So that's no fun when you're, you know, trying to run up a hill. I didn't heat <laughs> from 5.55 a.m. to noon today, you know, and I was doing my run before that on a cup of coffee. So yeah. it's not, you know, it's not the best thing in the world, but hey, you know, you lose weight and that's what I'm going for. So the six packs you don't look great around the pool then. No, that's not me.
3: <laughs> so, uh, Kevin, we're going to do another finish the sentence. I know that you have several live events coming up in Texas. So finish this sentence. My best Texas story is.
0: Oh, goodness gracious, I can't say this over a phone <laughs> or, 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 or the web. You know? <laughs> now, um, hey, man, there's so many, you know what I mean? I, I've been at this for a while. You know, I can't really pinpoint one great memory. I mean, there's there's so many, literally. I would say if I had to go with one, it would be, I don't know, um, I've had a lot of great shows in the state of Texas. But I will say, and I'll just keep this kind of personal so it'll be kind of general, but riding a giant white horse, yeah, I mean, not to, you know, completely— you know, bring it all back to my album, Broken Temples. But, um, you know, there's a song on there called White Horse, sorry. But, uh, you know, I do remember a lot of great memories. My family, my ex-wife's family lived in um, Houston and Dallas. And so I spent a lot of time hanging out with family and friends in, in Houston and Dallas. Amongst all of the great memories of DC Talk in the past and playing that great state and all sorts of grand memories. Just, the problem is I can't remember them all. That's the big problem. All right,
1: so Kevin, I'm pretty sure you can remember 2014 and last year you published Fiefdom of Angels. So we're curious, because some of us are authors, what was the writing process like for you for this book?
0: Fiefdom of Angels was basically a, it was a stream of conscious kind of not in any way self-edited. One of those kind of things. It's almost kind of like writing a poem for me. I've written poems throughout my whole life, and poetry comes very quickly and pretty fluid for me. I've never really attempted a novel before, so I really don't know how other folks do it. But when I sat down to write this idea, it started writing itself, and you know, about four months later, I, I had this manuscript and. You know, I kind of, I read it as I was writing it to my wife. We would walk at the YMCA, we would, there was a track upstairs above all of the, uh, the weight machines and we would walk this track and I would read what I'd written the previous day to her. And so she was kind of like my editor. but um, there was nothing else that went on, you know, beyond me just kind of writing it out. It wasn't until I had finished it, and I had written this book about five years ago, guys. So when I finally decided, okay, I'm going to put it out there, I got a little bit more uh, serious about it and had somebody kind of, you know, comb through it and edit. But um, not to the degree where they they changed any of the story or any of that. I mean, it's a pretty freshman go as far as a writing novelist, in my opinion. I'm not. I don't even claim to be a great author. So I claim to be a great singer and I'm a decent songwriter, and I'm an okay writer. I consider myself a good poet. So keep that in mind when, when you say the word novel. I look at this as like a stream of conscience story that I came up with, and hopefully at some point it could be made into some kind of a screenwriter, maybe a graphic novel, something interesting.
2: You were saying uh, just a second ago, uh, piggybacking on that a little bit, that you consider yourself a good songwriter, but a, a solid poet. Just quickly, what's the difference there? I mean, I know one is put to music, but
0: Yeah, I think the I think it's very two different art forms. I think poetry is a lot more of a pure art form when it comes to there's no real parameter. When it comes to songwriting, there's a lot of it seems like there's a lot of regulation because you have to create something for a mass audience whether you know you think you are or not, you really are subconsciously creating for you know, what you think is your crowd. And that crowd can be from five people to 500,000 people. Unfortunately, I've been in front of a lot of people. And so that kind of skews my ideas when I'm writing a little bit. I think one would say delusions of grandeur come to (laughs) mind when 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 I start to write a song. When I'm writing poetry, it's very purist. I mean, I'm writing for my pleasure and I'm writing what I'm thinking in the moment, and I'm, I'm not really trying to cross the T's, and I'm kind of, in a way, being explicitly creative, as opposed to songwriting is a little bit more of a program, you know? Sure. And I try to be as creative as songwriting as I possibly can, but we all know that if you're too creative, you're never going to be thrown on the radio, and you're never going to really kind of connect to the masses. My music kind of straddles the line between alternative and pop because I can go pretty far out there from an imaginative standpoint. But I also try to create things that people can relate to. So it is quite a bit different. With my poetry, I don't do that as much. When I write poetry, I write it for myself mainly. And, you know, if people enjoy it, then great.
2: I love that. You know, you were speaking about your audience earlier, whether they're five people or 500,000. Jared and I have definitely been uh, part of that group that has listened to you for years now in the past with the DC Talk and Audio Adrenaline and your solo stuff as well. But I just, you know, maybe not everybody that's listening to this interview right now is overly familiar with some of your solo stuff or even who DC Talk is if they don't come from a Christian background. But I'm curious to know what you would want people to know about Kevin Max, the musician now, especially with his new album, Broken Temples.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would definitely like people to know that Listening to this album, it's a picture of where I am in my life right now. I've taken quite a journey. If I could go back in time and say, you know, listening to the early work of DC Talk or even listening to my early solo work, you'd probably hear a, a young man, you know, very fervent, very earnest, trying to make some big statements, but not really knowing how to, you know, phrase them properly. But, you know, some of that stuff just became so much bigger than we ever thought it would be taking me up to this point in time right now, I've taken quite a journey, gone through highs and lows in my life. I mean, you know, I'm going to be 48 this year. I've lived a lot of life in 48 years, and I am probably the happiest I've ever been at this point in my life. I've got four beautiful kids, an amazing wife, and my career is always changing. I'm not one of those kind of artists that has a career that kind of stays the same over time. My career has taken huge dips and huge climbs. And that's kind of what is representative in in Broken Temples. It's a story of redemption. It's a story of grappling and trying to understand grace and just being a a screw up at times and realizing that being a human being means that you're not going to be perfect. You're not going to make all the right decisions. And just kind of letting go of yourself, letting go of your ego. That's it in a nutshell. Love that.
3: So Kevin, I am a music lover, as you heard before. And contrary to what Jared thinks, I like all kinds of music, (laughs) (laughs) not just Taylor. And I I really do have been enjoying Broken Temple since uh, Jared kind of sent it my way for, for many reasons. I believe when listening to it, I heard some possible influences from artists slash songs, such as Kings of Leon, The Cure, Send Me an Angel, even maybe some gospel with the song Infinite. Um, what were some of the musical inspirations for the album?
0: Send Me an Angel. Explain that one to me. Was that influence?
3: Uh, I'll jump in here. So the song Send Me an Angel,
1: one of your songs, I kind of hear elements of that. Send me and, an uh, angel. I think it's clear uh, you speak clear to me. I think is the one where it really. So you're like, talking about hey, the cover I that a, I
0: did of Send me an Angel, which because it, um, it's an 80s, it's an 80s band that they wrote that song originally. I'm just trying right, to understand I, I, the, the I, uh, context.
1: No, I, I would say the 80s version of the song, and then I heard clear, and I thought, hey, there's to me. There's, yeah, there's, yeah.
0: Okay, very cool. Yeah, I mean, similar, there's some influences that are definitely playing out on this record, probably even more so than some of my past albums, and I did that for a reason. I think. I described it in an interview, I don't know, a couple months back, and I kind of shocked myself because I was like, oh, wow, that really is the reason these influences have come out a little bit more on this album. The 80s thing, really, I grew up, you know, I was born in 67. So I grew up, you know, listening to music in the 70s and the 80s. And when the 80s, you know, I graduated high school in 85. So I was in the middle of the 80s loving all of that. I was what you've called a new waver back then. (laughs) I wasn't a hard rock guy. I wasn't a country guy. I wasn't a pop guy. I was a new wave guy. So I love the bands like The Fix and The Cure and Duran Duran and things like that. So all those are influences in my music constantly because that's what I grew up listening to. I think the reason they kind of took center stage in this album a little bit was because I wrote on my synthesizer on this album and pretty much brought these songs finished uh, to a degree into some other writers. And then we, you know, we either produced them from the synthesizer demo, or we took that idea and fleshed it out, you know, uh, on somebody else's synthesizer or guitar. So in the past, I've written on the piano. And it's a complete, obviously, a synth and a piano are similar, but they're very different in the kind of the tonality and the vibe, depending on where you're going. When I sit down on a piano, I can't help but just go to Beatles land sometimes. I mean, it's <laughs> it's difficult not to, you know. When I get on a synthesizer, I think it's kind of hard not to go to Depeche Mode, Howard Jones land. And so I think there's a little bit of both of those, that there's a continuity of both of those kind of influences in my music. Yeah, I mean, I've made music that shows the influence of Johnny Cash to Bob Dylan to the Beatles to, you know, again, like the Smiths or... Duran Duran. So, those are all people that I grew up listening to. And I don't think as a musician you can create music without being influenced. Mm-hmm. But I think the catch is not letting the influence overtake the song so that it's you're copying somebody. You still want to create something that's you and it's um, tangibly different, you know?
3: So, Kevin, you've done incredibly well in your career. You've definitely been very blessed. I have some friends that are musicians have even put out some CDs that haven't done as well. Do you have like a few tips for like a new artist trying to get out there and get their music out there?
0: I get asked that all the time, man. <laughs> and it's, it's a hard question to answer because it's not just a simple answer. There's a lot of things that go into becoming successful. And I think the majority of them have nothing to do with music. I yeah. think being in the right place at the right time, being driven, being a bit of a people person and not, you know, taking no for an answer, believing in yourself, believing that what you're going to do is it needs to be heard and is something special. And, and those are equally narcissistic thoughts. So I think it's a dash of, you know, being a little bit in crazy to a dash of, you know, a lot of confidence to a dash of, you know, extreme insecurity that drives most of us musicians. And I think that it's the right Molotov cocktail full of ingredients to get an artist that explodes onto the scene and becomes as huge as somebody like Bob Dylan or David Bowie. You know, it doesn't happen that much anymore, except for Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> you know, <a> com- <laughs> completely different example of that. But yeah, I think, you know, being really good looking and young helps too in that case. I don't know. You know, I, I, that's, again, I'm, I like to tell people just to be yourself. I know it's a, it's an idiot term and people sometimes make fun of me for writing that song, but it's my mantra. It's, it's what I believe in. I believe that God has created us all individually for a reason. And I think that, you know, not being afraid of who you are individually is huge. It's okay to be weird. I always tell people to stay weird too. Don't try to conform and, Enjoy the gifts that God's given you and make the most of them. That's all I can say.
1: So, Kevin, you have a song called When You Were Young on the new album. So I'm curious if you, the Kevin now, could go back to the younger version. When you were young, what advice would you give to yourself?
0: Oh, man, these are loaded questions, bro. (laughs) 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 Who asked me that question, by the way?
1: I'm Jared. Yep.
0: Jared. Okay, Jared. You know, this is a crazy question, right? I mean, there's just like so many different things you want to tell your younger self. Probably <laughs> there's a few of them, that, again, that I can't, you know, say over the uh, web or the or the line here. <laughs> <laughs> you said to be weird. In so. good measure, I'd say, uh, well, for good measure, I'd say, you know, again, being stay true to yourself. Stay true to what you believe in. Don't let anybody dissuade you from what you really think is what you want to do and believe in. You know, the struggle is real. I believe that I would tell my younger self to go with my instincts when it comes to the Spirit as well. I became a Christian very early on because it was instinctive that it was true, and I did a lot of studying on it as a young man and into college. And I continue to believe that, yeah, God is who He says He is and was and will still be. Sorry, I don't want to try not to be hippie. Um, <laughs> yeah, hopefully that answers it, dude. Sorry, if it yep. doesn't. I
2: love it. Well, uh, piggybacking on that a little bit, going with another one of your the songs from your album, this podcast is called Star of the Doubts. And so we talk a lot about overcoming self-doubt. It's just a, it's a big part of who we are and what we do. And so I know that you've had tremendous highs, and also you've uh, navigated some challenging seasons, as you've mentioned earlier. But the the song, That Was Then, This Is Now, you talk about burying the doubt deep underground. So again, if you're talking to yourself earlier, talking to someone else out there who's uh, dealing or walking through that doubt, how would you navigate that or talk about that to that person as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel that it's hard to live life and do it successfully without going through a period of difficulty and want and need. And... I continue to look back at the example of Christ as the ultimate example of somebody that suffered, of somebody that, you know, was basically let down by everybody around him, but he continued and he stayed the course, and he did the most amazing and miraculous things ever. So is that as an example, I'd say, never let the bad times get you down. Realize that it's a chastening, it's a test. It's something to make you stronger. And I believe that God will never throw something to us that we can't handle. And I know that seems like a really tough thing to say in the midst of never having to go through something absolutely horrific. But I can say I know a lot of people that have. I know a lot of people that have a lot of loss and that have gone through some very in- intense things. And they still have come out on the other side. And they've come out on the other side stronger people and they can use that story, they can use that situation to overcome so many things that are before them. And I'm thinking of a friend right now that I don't even want to talk about and speak their name, but I see that they've come through something really, really horrific that I can't even, wouldn't even fathom what I would feel like and how I would deal with it. And they've come out so strong and so beautiful and have have dealt with things so amazing. And they will have such a story you know, to tell people and to bring people to a better understanding, you know. And Mm -hmm. yeah, I think life is, the more life you live, the more you understand, the more you realize that it's just kind of a blink of an eye. What is it that Solomon said? You know, everything is air. I can't remember the actual uh, of Chasing the wind. Chasing the wind. Yeah, there it is.
3: So piggybacking off of what Chris said in the song, that was then, and this is now, you mentioned a party girl. Are you at liberty to say who she is and what the story is behind her?
0: <laughs> yeah, that was just a, it was a total poetic phrase, more poetic liberty, whatever you want to call it. It's not a specific person. It wasn't even a, a specific uh, memory of mine. It was, you know, even the first verse, haunted boy, run away into the morning haze. I mean, that can be a lot of different people in a lot of different situations. And the same thing with the party girl. A lot of different people, a lot of different situations. I think that it's all basically saying that we all go through things that we regret and we all make bad decisions, but we are all loved by the Creator more than we can ever understand. And understanding that grace is the way to freedom.
1: I was hoping for or a different story, but no, I love that. <laughs> That's a good answer, Kevin.
0: <laughs> you want something specific, right? Like, uh,
1: he's got a good Texas party girl story. I know it.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, there are a few of those, but it's like, and you know, I'm a happily married man with four beautiful kids. No reason to, you know, bring up anything that's, you know.
1: Fair enough. All right. So, Kevin, in the song White Horse, you talk about the heavens open up over me. Would you be willing to share a story where you felt like the heavens were opening over you?
0: Yeah, I've never really, you know, I guess. Yeah, I mean, there's, shoot, there's situations like that that I can recall. One is the most obvious one right off the bat, and I know it's going to sound cheesy again, is, is the birth of my children. I mean, seeing childbirth up front and personal is different than watching it in a movie <laughs> or reading it in a book. And when you can share that with, you know, somebody that you consider your best friend, and it's beyond amazing and miraculous. It The, the, the whole vibe of birth just blows my mind. I wish that you could put that into a tablet or a, a diet drink and be able to, to slug that down once a day. That would be a great <laughs> feeling. But you know, I feel like that's kind of changed my life, seeing the birth of my kids.
2: Okay, so I, I'm not looking to find a, uh, a loophole in the Party Girl story at all. But <laughs> in Another Big Mistake, you, I mean, it's kind of the, the theme of that song. So can you think of a time in your life, and again, you need to indulge anything that's uh, not for the listeners of this show, but a, a mistake or a learning opportunity, something that impacted you to make you who you are now? And then if so, what advice do you have for the listeners who are in the middle of such a mistake as well?
0: Oh, man. I mean, I have a, probably a, a very thick novel full of mistakes. I mean, yeah, some of them more intense than others, gratuitous, whatever you want to call it. I mean, <laughs> I don't like to go down into the depths of, you know, we've all kind of made the same mistakes and we all have probably had the same thoughts. I mean, I wouldn't consider any in this group have ever murdered a person before. But, um, you know, so I can say that, you know, we probably have done some bad things, but we haven't done the worst things in life. But it's like everything that you do that's, that's a mistake, it has different forms of consequence, you know. And I would say some mistakes have bigger consequence, obviously. And those ones that have the bigger consequence that you learn from, I mean, they're life changing. When you make mistakes that are life changing, you hopefully learn from that and become a better person. Again, the meaning of the song, Just As I Am, is not about, hey, I'm this screwed up person that's never going to have a chance at life, and woe is me, and I'm going to be you know, constantly depressed. It's more about the hope that, yes, we're fractured, we're not put together correctly, we'd make some really bad mistakes, but we can learn from them and, and grow. When I wrote that song, I mean... Again, I mean, it's, you know, I've been through so much of my life that when I'm writing a song, it's usually not one specific thing that comes out of my mind. It's several different things that come out that make me think of that, you know. I can yeah. use an example. I mean, probably I had an issue with authority. I don't know if any of the guys that I'm talking to right now have had, ever had issues with authority. But that, <laughs> I had issues with authority pretty early on in my life. And it's weird that I did because I had an amazing father. I was adopted as a baby, so, you know, but my adoptive father, who I consider my dad and my father, you know, until the end of time, he was a great man, a very godly man, but a, a regular dude as well. And mm. he brought me upright, taught me how to respect people, taught me how to respect myself. But I still had a problem with authority, and it kind of chased me all the way into the band DC Talk when, I, <laughs> when we, uh, we uh, started the band together in, in Liberty University. So um, that was probably one of the biggest things that I had to deal with growing up, you know what I mean? Getting thrown out of school for being Mm. a bad boy. And, you know, recognizing not why I got thrown out, because some of the things that I get in trouble for were stupid. They didn't mean anything really. But I had to learn what the intention was behind why I had such a problem with authority, you know? Mm. Where was my intention? Why did I even go there? You know, and learning about myself and Learning what those trigger points were, it helped me, you know, become a better person. Well said. Yeah, Called the Tennessee Two-Step, by the way.
3: <laughs> 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 I know that you worked with uh, Derek Webb, and we're definitely Derek Webb fans. On the remix of two of your tracks, what was it like working with Derek?
0: Derek and I have been friends for a while. I can tell you an interesting story about Derek Webb. It's not going to be um, salacious or gratuitous, so I, I apologize for that. But, oh, um, man. I was sitting in a coffee shop in East Nashville, and I'd lived in East Nashville for many, 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 many years, and seen it growing up around me to something kind of trendy and hip. And you know, I moved in there in 92 and 93 when it wasn't hip. It was a very, I would say, dark and depressed place to live in Nashville. One of the, the um, probably toughest parts of town. Now East Nashville is Hipster Central. So um, this was, you know, I'd say this was about seven years ago. And I was sitting in a coffee shop there in East Nashville. And I was trying to get online, and it kept getting blocked by this, you know, person online next to me. And I kept looking at it, and it said, D-Web. <laughs> you know, I had his email handle or whatever, his Wi-Fi handle. And I kept thinking, like, what is this? Who is it? Where is this D-Web guy? And why can't I get... You know, online, this is really. So I stood up and I said, who's (laughs) (laughs)
3: D-Webb?
0: And, uh, you know, we met at the coffee shop. Honestly, I don't don't think I stood up and said that, but I looked around and then I found out who it was. And and, uh, yeah, and then I realized, okay, Derek Webb. And then I realized, oh, wait, he's an artist, you know, and I'd heard a lot about him, but I didn't know him. And I didn't know much about Caveman's Call, but I knew a little bit about them. So, you know, we met at the coffee shop there and said hey and and then we kept bumping each, into each other in the East Nashville area and we started having longer and longer conversations and then and then we became friends. And to this day, I consider it an honor to know that guy. I mean, he's an amazing, you know, musician and an artist, but he is even better person, better human being than he is a musician. And I love his honesty. I've done some shows with him where he's ruffled some feathers and I've, I've seen it happen as we were performing. And I know that feeling very well. I ruffle feathers very easily and I'm quite professional at it. So, you know, watching him do his thing was a lot of fun. You know, we've done a few tours together and, you know, it's been, when I say tour, like one-off shows, we haven't done like full-on tours together, but we've done more than a few shows together as solo artists. So I can say that he is my friend and Yeah, when we made this album, I said it'd be really cool to bring in Derek and do something with him. And he was like, you know, he's kind of set the music down for a little bit to kind of hone in on Noise Trade. And he said, man, it's the perfect timing. He goes, I really want to do something creative. Let me remix a couple of these songs. And I'm like, oh, remix. You know, (laughs) I'm not really big into remixes. But the thought of Derek Webb doing the remixes made me very interested. And he and I both see eye to eye on electronic music. We both love it. So I was like, you know what, this is going to be fun. So what he brought back to me, you know, I thought was, was were really great remixes and definitely intelligent, definitely, you know, not your run of the mill sounds. And it's not like a dance party. It's almost kind of like deconstructed versions of the songs, you know? So yeah, man, very happy to have him along on this album. And, and we're hoping to do some other things together in the future. So
3: Well, I
1: I love those tracks, and my favorite track is Infinite. So you say in the song, whatever you think is love, whatever you think is peace, whatever you think is good, whatever you think is right. I'm curious, Kevin, when you think of those things, what comes to mind?
0: Well, I think of many different things, my friend. (laughs) I can't pinpoint everything that comes to mind when I think of the word good or uh, peace. Let me use an example. Okay, for peace, it would be knowing that I have created a world – that not only protects but like lifts up my children and that they can come home to a place that they feel free and they feel taken care of and that they feel like they're understood that's peace to me you know doing something for somebody and not wanting something in return you know that's good give me the other words in the song sorry
1: <laughs> love and right
0: love Encompasses so many, obviously, so many different versions of the word. But when I think of love, I think of like that long, like patient, um, honest, trusting, you know, gutted out to the end kind of uh, emotion. And uh, I think the extremes in each reference, what I was meaning in the song, and even to the extreme, we can't understand and fathom how, you know, God's version of those words. I mean, it's to the infinite power or the eternal power. What love is in God's reference, you know? And yeah. I think it's not for mortal men to try to understand anyways. It says that. So, yeah, I'm, in my own way, I was trying to pierce the web or the ether of God's mind, and that's almost impossible to do. So,
1: my four year old daughter loves that song.
0: <laughs> instead, I tried to write a nursery rhyme of a tune. You know what I mean? <laughs>
2: right, right. Well, Kevin, uh, wrapping yeah. up here, I want to know that whether it be in music or in art or in filmmaking or just someone in your day to day life, Who's doing something right now that interests you? Oh
0: man. It wouldn't be a new guy. It's an old guy. Kind of interested in the same folks that I've been interested in for years. Everybody from Frank Herbert to William Blake to Brennan Manning, Francis Schaeffer. I was reading Brennan Manning again last week and reading Frank Herbert this week. I guess I'm I'm always very interested in writers that have kind of in their own way, kind of shaped a hole in the universe and kind of explored it and explained it better than most. William Blake, in my opinion, was the first guy to really kind of throw out some extravagant visions of heaven. You know, Brennan Manning, in my opinion, is the master of understanding grace and putting it into terms. You know, I listen to a lot of 80s music. <laughs> <laughs> I like to dance by myself in the corner listening to 80s music. <laughs> and, uh, hey, I've already read all the Harry Potter novels, so I can't really talk about, you know, how great that's influenced me. That hasn't. The whole Harry Potter thing on my webpage is kind of a joke. I mean, I, I like Harry Potter, but there's nothing like sitting down and, and reading somebody like Frank Herbert. I don't know. Have any of you read Dune or the Dune Trilogy? I have not, no. Uh,
1: I have not either. I'm gonna. I mean, that's that's taking
0: nerd to another level. I understand. (laughs) You know, Dune is the predecessor to Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, all of that. So, I mean, that's kind of what I feebly started out trying to create with Fiefdom of Angels was, hey, I'm gonna write a, a science fiction fantasy about the angelic realm. So, I'm influenced and inspired by Frank Herbert, who pretty much owned. The world of sci-fi fantasy before anybody else came around i mean isaac asimov and people like that of course but frank herbert was the one that kind of you know put it into its own universe you know
3: sure kevin what is the best place for the listeners to pick up your new album and stay <laughs> well, connected with everything you're doing
0: well after hearing me on this uh podcast they'll probably not want to go get one so we won't, <laughs> even, we won't even give them a the point of reference you know I just <laughs> want to leave it as, as a mystery. They can go find it. You know? <laughs>
1: that is a first, Jared. <laughs> it is. You know, I, I love that. Whatever you think is good, that was good of you. You're not looking up for yourself.
0: That's good, yeah, man. I mean, you know, if, if people are really interested, it's not too hard to Google Kevin Max, you know, and find out who this crazy person is that used to be in both DC Talk and Audio Adrenaline. I mean, you know, for some people, they they'd spew that out of their mouths. And for other people, they'd hold it tightly. I don't take any of it very seriously. I do consider myself a creative, so I'm not going to be doing the same kind of art over and over again. So people that are looking for, you know, something that, you know, I don't know, that kind of runs a straight line, it's not going to be me. But if they're interested in something that is, I don't know, real and trying to make interesting statements about faith and everyday life, then they can check me out.
2: Kevin, I don't that's know one how of the to, reasons we've always loved you man is because you I don't, don't know, know how, how to line. sell
0: myself, man. Can you help me? I mean yeah, <laughs> yeah I've got a website Kevinmax.com. I'm on Facebook and Twitter and all that but like how do you sell yourself you know? <laughs> there's guys out there that are doing a way better job than me. I, I'm really trying to figure out how they do that.
1: Wow, I'm I can't tell if you're being serious or not. <laughs>
0: <laughs> give me a name, and I, you know, like a really successful artist in
2: the Christian music genre. Just give me one. Give uh, me just one. one.
1: Okay, uh, go ahead, Chris.
2: Well, I was going to say somebody that may be uh, a little close to home, uh, but right now they seem like they're having quite a bit of success. Newsboys. Well,
0: the, Newsboys, see, there well, you go. How, how do they do it, man? You know, Newsboys are a great example of friends of mine that started out very beginning, very innocent. You know, a bunch of Aussies that we met, they came on to one of our tours. We had no clue who this group was. And they had an album out called Hell is for Wimps. And (laughs) we were just like, what is this all about? You know what I mean? And we brought them on tour with us. And they were great. They were a good hang. They were fun. They put on a good show. But they came in like a punk rock band. And by the end of the tour, they were doing the worm across the stage and rapping. You know what I mean? So... (laughs) But hey, they've been like um, Peter Furler and I go way back, to the very beginning. John James and I go way back. So it's cool to see Michael doing this. I don't really think of Michael as an Australian person, so it's a little strange <laughs> sometimes when I when I look at all that. But yeah, more power to him, man. They're doing good.
1: Kevin, you mentioned people who are looking for the someone running in the straight line. That you may not be for them, but maybe someone who's running uphill in the morning just on coffee, maybe that <laughs> maybe that would work. Uh,
0: Great. Example. Perfect example. <laughs> right. And like sweating and hating it too. See, there's the other <laughs> part of the example. It's not the person that's, you know, owning it and killing it. It's the person hating it, but still doing it.
1: Well said. So Kevin, we we'll final uh, question here. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners?
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, we, I'm excited about, and here comes the sales pitch. I'm excited to this whole frontier of crowdfunding I think is amazing and we did it with Broken Temples and we raised what we wanted to raise to help market the album and distribute and all that. We're gonna do it again. But until we do it again, I'm actually gonna be doing some things called stage it. And there's this newfangled toy called YouTube that I just found out about. It's really interesting. <laughs> you can like record yourself singing a song and you can put it out where everybody can see it. And I'm really onto this thing right now. I think it's the future. We'll see how it goes, man, you know? So kevinmax.com, facebookcom dot forward slash Kevin Max. Kevin Max everywhere in the ether. Go out into the wide web. Connect yourself to the master robot and find me. <laughs> I am out there.
1: well kevin we obviously wish you well drop the (laughs) mic. drop the mic uh congrats on broken temples and congrats uh, on everything with the uh crowdfunding campaign the upcoming campaign so yeah we love it and definitely wish you well man thanks
0: man thanks so much for talking to me you guys thanks for even giving just this little guy a chance to talk about himself
2: Ah, we love what you're doing man keep it up Um, thank you man
0: well and no in all honesty though it, it means a lot i love the support And, yeah, I'm just an indie alternative guy at heart trying to make some cool stuff. So
2: Mission accomplished.
0: Rock on. Mm -hmm. Stay true to yourself. Stay true to what you believe in. Don't let anybody dissuade you from what you really think is what you want to do and believe in. Podcast Movement 2015 is coming to Texas this summer, and we want you to be there. Join over 1,000 current and aspiring podcasters at the world's largest podcaster conference. Featuring Sarah Koenig of Serial, Roman Mars of 99% Invisible, Pat Flynn, Aisha Tyler, Lou Mangello, John Lee Dumas, and over 50 other speakers. All that's missing is you. Learn more and register now at podcastmovement.com.